there's something I hear in the confessional often enough, and it's doubt. And I ask, well, is it willful doubt, uh, intentional doubt? And uh, well, no, and what's that? Because I think there's this widespread mentality amongst the faithful that doubt is a sin or a bad thing. And I say, well, it's not. It's a natural part of the journey of knowledge. Doubt is a hesitation of the mind between two goods. So you have a good in your mind and you've accepted, embraced it, and you're walking down the road of life and you come across another good and it seems to contradict the first good. And so the mind stops and hesitates, says, well, which one, which one do I embrace and how do I embrace them? And then you work out the doubt until you're able to, uh, to figure it out and to say yes. And then you keep moving down the path until you come to another problem. And it continues to go and go like this. I say, is the ideal of life as a Christian to never have any doubts? Because if it were, you know that our faith would remain the faith of an 11-year-old. And I don't think anybody thinks that that is the ideal of the Christian community, to have the, the, the Christian maturity of the faith as an 11-year-old. In this way, doubts are wonderful. Doubts are opportunities for us to investigate and dig deeper and to mature in the faith. This is the gift we see in the first reading of the trial, that we come across trials in our life, which, if accepted and walked through, lead to perseverance, because they lead to maturity and a, and a growth in, in, the, in the Christian stature. In this way, we should be very careful about making a distinction between a trial and a temptation. Pope Francis, I remember some years ago, wanted to make it very clear in the Our Father that God never leads us into temptation. God never sends temptations to us. But trials, sure. Because again, without trials in our life, we would never be provoked to really get to the bottom of what's going on. And to really discover who God is for ourselves, Because we'd have to go through trials to discover this. Take this extremely typical problem of seminarians and priests. I know it because that's, uh, that's my wheelhouse. Uh, that you fall in love with a beautiful girl. Now here's, here's the options of how to face this. You could say, well, this is a temptation sent from the devil. And you could do that. You could say that. One of the problems is, since women uh, aren't the devil, um, this can be a problematic way to go. And if you just simply want to live your life, uh, you know, never talking to beautiful women, that also is an option. Um, I don't think the best, though. On the other hand, you say, okay, well, if God wanted me to meet this woman and fall in love with her, then you say, well, why? And a lot of guys in their immaturity, they say, well, God must have called me to seminary in order to meet this girl and fall in love so then I could go and marry her. I say, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Just because you fall in love with somebody doesn't mean you're meant to marry them. Otherwise, you have to be marrying a whole lot of people. And that's a very problematic. So then you say, okay, if God called me to the seminary and to celibacy, and then also called me to fall in love with this woman, then what does he really want from me? Well, God wants you to know how much he loves you in the flesh through this person. And God does not want a man to make a promise of celibacy to him simply because he had no better option. This would be a terrible thing. 
And so in this way, because, because of the fallen in love, you, a, a, a young man really has an opportunity of, of making a real human free yes to God and to really lay down his life and sacrifice it. If there was never any possibility of any other path, then the value of that life would be, would be way less. You see where I'm going here? Here's one, here's one other thing that seems disconnected, but I used to be a little bit um, uh, superstitious, okay, about one thing. When you're in a hospital and it's not busy, and if you say, wow, look, it's not busy, then immediately it gets really very busy. If you don't work in a hospital, you don't know, but this, it's totally taboo to mention how it's not busy. And I, and I reflected this, I saw this all the time in my own experience. I said, this seems totally, uh, but I can't, I can't explain it in any reasonable way. Then I get to talking to a friend of mine, wicked smart girl, and she says, oh, it's easily explainable. explainable. It's a regression to the mean. I say, well, what do you mean? Well, normally it's such busy, you know, the mean, the ordinary business. Sometimes it gets busier than that, but eventually it will regress to the mean. Sometimes it gets less busy than normal, but eventually it'll go back to the mean. So when it's less busy and you make the observation, well, it's inevitably going to get busy again. It's not going to get less busy than that. And I said, you have saved me from my pagan ways. And so we see continuing to stay on the path in the Christian community is what allows us to come to this fullness of Christian maturity, which God wants for everybody, which is why he allows all the problems of life, because he wants to be recognized and he wants to be loved.